0: I'll, you as a pathetic sinner, having no power over your own flesh, serve him who is the righteous king. Do you have anything to serve him? You have nothing. You have nothing that is worthy to be offered to that great king. You see him from a distance. You heard his voice. You understood his claims. You know now deep in your heart, nothing is more desirable than that savior whose name is Jesus, the one who is able to save us from our sins. And you know he's gracious, but he will never allow his name to be desecrated by you. He will not want a blasphemer. He will not allow a sinner to take his name in his mouth. How can you and I ever serve him? As sinners, we are unworthy. So if you have counted the cost, this is a personal question to each one of us. What shall we do? Jesus says in verse 33, take a look. Likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus says, give it up. Give all up. Give up all your pride. Give up all that you love till this point of time. Give them up all and come to me. Surrender. Don't come with what you want to serve. Put them beside you. Put them away from you. Forsake them. Don't ever look back. Come straight to me and know who I am. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the first. I am the last. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am all in all. I am that I am. When you come to me, do not come as though I need to serve you to give you what you want. No, no, no. You endless into army because I have need of you. But you need me. So come dropping everything. The cost that you need to count when you come to Jesus Christ to follow him as his disciple is much more than you ever thought. You must deny all things including your own life. Give no regard for any of these things. So, brethren, would you please turn your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, and we shall learn together from Luke 14, verses 28 to 33. Let me read this portion of the scripture now. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth? whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000, or else, while the other is at a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my Disciple. In this text that we just read, Jesus speaks about what it takes to be a true disciple of His person. The context of this passage beginning with verse 25 tells you that there was a great multitude that came around Christ. Verse 25. There went great multitudes with him and he turned and said unto them. So he is talking to a group of people who were interested to watch him, hear him and experience his goodness both through teaching and the miracles he performed. They seem to be an eager crowd, a crowd that is ready to follow him, stick to him. But Jesus had some very strong words for them. We will now read those words, starting with verse 26. He says, if any man come to me, Hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, eh, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So that's the condition for discipleship. That one should forsake his closest of relations. And look at the list of the titles that Jesus mentioned. Father, Mother, Wife, Children, Brethren and Sisters. You can't get any closer than that, can you? The closest of people are to be disregarded in preferring Christ. Now I would speak of this more in the second half. Of today's study but you notice that Jesus said if you want to be my disciple you you can be the kind of disciple you want to be but I'm going to tell you as your teacher as your Lord that if you come to me then you are not the master I'm the master I did take my terms not you You see, dear friends, the crowd that came to Jesus had their own opinions and their own demands. But if you come to a master like Jesus, and there is none like Christ, by the way, that master would tell you he is the master, not the disciple. In other words, the disciple must know he is coming to one who is perfect, one who is matchless, incomparable, One is supreme, whose ways are perfect, whose truth is unmistakable and clear. It is full of divine authority and blessing. It is something that we must see as it is. We cannot in any way diminish or degrade his truth and his person. And therefore, if anyone comes to Jesus Christ, he must give absolute reverence, full honor, with complete submission to his greatness. Nobody comes on his own terms to follow Christ. If they would come, then they are not true disciples. That's what Jesus is saying. And he has certain conditions for his disciples, which we will closely look at. In the second half. And Jesus then continued to say. Verse 27. Whosoever doth not bear his cross. And come after me. Cannot be my disciple. So in the. Following of Jesus Christ. In taking up the discipleship. Of the Lord Jesus. One has to be ready. To put aside whatever was convenient and pleasurable to himself and accept whatsoever inconvenience and troubles may come in the process of following christ you can't have your own preferred ways if you desire to follow christ you can't serve yourself and jesus If you are going to be Jesus' disciples, you can only serve him. You must become zero, and he must become all in all. Jesus must be everything, and you must become nothing. And that's why Jesus said so clearly here, you must bear your cross and come after me. In another instance, Jesus said that you must deny yourself and follow him. Again, as I said, those are the matters that I'm setting aside for the next message. But having said all these important matters concerning what it takes to be a disciple, which is the real price one has to pay. Jesus went on in verse 28, which is our text for this session, to tell two parables to show how important it is. For one to count the cost of whatever pursuit he is about to undertake. If you are following Jesus Christ as his disciple, don't be mindless to come to him and say, I don't like it, but I want to be a disciple. It wouldn't happen. You better listen to his terms. He is the master. You are not the teacher. You are only a student. So if you want to learn under the Lord Jesus Christ, you must come in agreement with the teacher's requirements. And see whether you agree or not. If you don't agree, don't even think of signing up as a disciple. Yeah, you may have the means to get to Him. You know, if you want to go and study in a prestigious college, You need to look at the prospectus. You would read through it and see the requirements of the course that you want to take. Now, you may have sufficient money to go to that college. In other words, you have sufficient money to buy a ticket or some other things that you need to buy to get there or to sustain your uh, uh, life in that college. You need uh, money for food, money for books, money for other expenses, and you have all of that. But that alone would not be sufficient. You need much more than the funds that require you to be there. You need to have a mindset that will be willing to get along with the system provided by that college so that you can be a good student and benefit from their courses. That's a normal thing that we all understand. You can't send a letter to that college and say, look, I'm coming from a far place and I like to eat this way. I like to sleep at this time, not according to your time. I like to come to class only from this time to that time. So I'm sorry, your timetable doesn't seem to fit my idea, can you change your timetable so that I can study in your college? I love your college, I like your name, I like the things that you do, but please, change your schedule to suit me. They will send you a letter saying that you are not welcome, don't even try to come. Jesus is saying somewhat like this, if you want to come and follow me, It's not sufficient that you come to the place that you come, that I am. You are able to walk on your two legs uh, uh, and get here. You are able to stay with me. You are able to hear me. But that doesn't make you my disciple. If you want to be my disciple, I have my conditions. And that could mean putting yourself in very uncomfortable situations. You got to change. Your priorities must change. Your path must change. I set the path. You follow me. I don't follow you. If I follow you, you are the master and I am your disciple. But that's not why I have come to this world. I came to call the sinners to change, to repent from their ways and accept me as their savior and lord. There is only one way this can happen. You stop where you are. Turn around. Follow me. And no turning back. (coughs) That's what discipleship is all about. Coming in terms with Jesus. In full faith and obedience. When that does not happen, there is no discipleship. You're coming to church, you're having membership in the church. You undergoing baptism would not mean you are a disciple. Yes, all those are part and parcel of discipleship. It can be done by anybody. Anybody in the street can come into your congregation or into your auditorium and sit there. Anybody in the church, uh, anybody from the streets can come in who can uh, learn music or learn singing, can sing the hymns that you sing. As long as they can read the words in your hymn book and as long as they can uh, follow the tune of the song, they will sing just like you. That wouldn't make them disciples of Jesus Christ. How many of you are truly Jesus' disciples? Some of you came into this church and in most of our churches this happened, by the way, because you have boyfriends and girlfriends there. When you follow Jesus Christ, you must remember you do not dictate your terms. Like it or not, that's the only way. Jesus said, come after me. You saw that phrase repeatedly being said in the context of what we are going to look at now. You look at verse 26. Jesus said, if any man come to me. So it's all about coming to him. And if you look at again, verse 27, you will see the phrase, come after me. So discipleship means you go after Christ. You don't go ahead of him. You don't go away from him. You stand right behind him as he leads, you follow. Otherwise, you cannot be disciples. Jesus' terms are very clear. We need to pay more attention to it, which, God willing, we shall do. Now look at verse 28 onwards, where we have two parables told by Jesus, which tells us the importance of understanding the sacrifice required... When making a commitment to Christ. Well in verse 28. Jesus said. For which of you intending to build a tower. Sitteth not down first. And counteth the cost. Where he have sufficient to finish it. So that's the first illustration. A man contemplating. Building a tower. It could be watchtower, which was common in those days, which look out for enemies or uh, some, uh, some wild animals coming into the vineyard uh, to destroy it. And when they see these things coming from far, they make noise, they alert the workers and chase them away. So building such a tower require plenty of effort. And some amount of money. It's a construction project which will be noticed by everybody because it is a tower. uh, A construction that requires certain height. Because it's a tall building, it will be seen by most people in that area. So when somebody wants to build a tower, it is of importance that they have sufficient funds and means to complete it. If they don't, the, sk- the half-built tower can be seen by everybody, and it will be an embarrassing situation. So, this is being a visible construction project which determines one honor and even his strength as a strong man ready to defend his property. It is of some uh, importance that one evaluate the project. If he doesn't do that, it is a shame to himself. And he will be a man who will lose whatever honor he has, and will become the talk of the town for a failed project. He will become an example for everybody never to follow. A bad example, of course. So there was a man, according to this parable, who laid the foundation, which is a good thing to do, and then not being able to finish it. And so he is ready to build, according to verse 29, he has laid the foundation, but not able to finish it. And all that behold it begin to mock him. What a sad situation. He became the laughing stock of the community. And all who saw the unfinished tower began to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I'm sure there are people like that known to you in your church who came in saying that, oh, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. And some would even go to say, oh, I want to be a deacon, I want to be an elder, I want to be a preacher, I want to be a pastor. Oh, I'm going to do this. But these are people like that, those in the crowd who has their own terms to become whatever they want in the church or in the community of believers. They like the position. They like to be known as disciples. But they don't count the cost. They want to do things their way without thinking through what it takes. And they jump in without a heart to follow through what Jesus says. You end up disastrous. You know, sometimes there are people, Christian parents and friends of young people who want to serve the Lord full time who come to me and ask certain questions. And I believe they are asking these questions out of genuine concerns. And they said, not just one person or one family. So many people over the past 30 years of my ministry has approached me to dissuade, not persuade, but dissuade certain people from standing for the Office of deacon or elder. I have a wife who, uh, who, not too long ago, approached me and said, "Pastor, please don't ask me. Ask my pa- my husband to be a deacon. Please don't." I said, "Why? He is willing. Why are you saying no? Is there anything wrong with this man?" And the wife said, "No, pastor. Uh, he is a very nice man. He loves me. He takes care of the children, and I know he loves the Lord." But well, why is that you, you as his wife dissuading him and now trying to persuade me not to take him as a deacon? Is there any character flaw in him? No, no, I think he's very serious. That's what the wife told me. Then why are you saying that I shouldn't take him? I, uh, are you willing to submit to him? Yes, I'm willing to submit to him. So if it is his will to serve God, why are you standing against him? I'm just afraid in case he fall. In case he fails, it's such an embarrassment to all of us. I said, why are you worried about it? If he follows Jesus, how can he fail? Jesus never fails. Do you believe that? And she said, yes, I believe. So if you believe that Jesus never fails in leading, in guiding, in keeping, in preserving, and keep us unblameable till the day of his coming, why are you taking this position And telling me to to tell your husband not to take the deaconship of the church. She kept quiet for a while and said, I guess I'm just afraid. Well, you might say that this lady is counting the cost. Because she knows if the husband fails, it'd be embarrassing. But she failed to put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the one who calls one to follow him. Jesus says, come to me. Come unto me. Come after me. If he calls you to follow him, even if everyone else would doubt whether you can make it or not, you should be able to say, I trust in Jesus. He will never fail me. I will follow him. Well, that sister changed her mind. She became an ardent supporter of her husband in the service of God, and they served the Lord together. She counted the cost, became very afraid. Now, that can happen to many of us. We know what what it means to serve God. You know, i give you another example of an experience I had. This was uh, from a man who was already serving as a deacon. And his wife decided to write to me. She wrote a very long letter of something like three or four pages. And in those three-page letter she was saying to me, Pastor, I basically regret. This is a summation, not word for word quotation, but a summation of what she wrote. I regret that my husband is a deacon. You know, he has so little time for anything in life. He is so busy in his business. And there's so many things that he has to attend to for his parents who are aged, my, me, my wife, I mean, his wife, and our children. And he is so stretched. Would you do one thing, at least one thing for me and my family? Do not ask him to do anything anymore in the church. Enough is enough. We will come for worship. We will come for prayer meeting. Maybe one more fellowship group, say Adults Fellowship. Don't ask us to do anything anymore. Appreciate your attention (coughs) to this matter. Thank you. And I had to write to this lady. And what would I write? And some of the things she she wrote, I dare not even say so publicly. It is so demeaning to me as a pastor. She says that I have been... (coughs) asking this gentleman to do many things in the church. Uh, not that you know, I enforce something on him, but whenever a call is given to serve an area, the man is ever willing to serve. And he has a capacity, God-given ability, resources, and he would do happily. There is never a complaint from him. But the wife is getting very, very uh, unhappy. And she is saying to me that the husband is not having enough time to do things. But when I talked to the husband, the husband said, Pastor, this is all just nonsense. She is not following Christ. That's the problem. She wants me as a husband to follow her. She she has a half-hearted spirit toward Jesus Christ. And some of the things she wrote, and I can say one thing, which is a bit embarrassing, but I have to say, she said to me in the letter, he doesn't even have time to sleep with me. And when I read that, I almost fell off from my chair. Why should a wife write that to me as a pastor? But it seems that she want to put the blame on me as though I'm the cause for whatever lack of marital relationship between the husband and wife. But when I brought this to her husband's attention, he said, Pastor, the problem is she herself. I told her, Stop working like the way she's working. She leave home very early, come back late. She is absolutely tired when she comes home. She has no interest in anything, just want to hit the bed and sleep. And then early morning, wake up, get ready, go. She doesn't care for the children. She doesn't care for me. She is just full of work, 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 work. And then once in a while, she awakened to the fact that she had very little relationship with me. And then she blamed the church and me. And she is now writing that all to you. Now, what's the problem? And I asked the husband, what's the solution to this? It's very simple, pastor. She should not be so self-centered. She should follow me. I'm a husband. I care for her. And that's very true. We all know about it. He works so hard to look after the family. And he provides more than many other men in the church do. By the grace of God, He's very successful in his work. And he provides sufficient. But she wants to earn more and more money. Even the husband says, enough, stay home, you relax. When I come home from work, when I come home from church, you are here, relaxed, rested. No need to be so tense. But she wants to win the world. And come home with no strength even to enjoy an hour with the husband and then put the blame on the pastor and the church and try to take the husband out of the work that he so loved to do. Now, sometimes, dear friends, it's not so much that we don't count the cost. We are very good in counting the cost, aren't we? But we forget why we have to pay that cost. Because we gain what those things cannot give. Jesus Christ. The eternal king as our master, our savior, our Lord, our shepherd. A man who builds a house must know the price he has to pay to build that house, build that tower. He will first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he had enough to complete it. Well, that's an easy thing for all of us in the modern world to understand. Most of us would not touch a thing that we cannot accomplish. Right? It's very foolish to try to do that. There are people, even today, do such foolish things as trying to do something they're incapable of accomplishing it. However, most of us are very smart. I don't think uh, this is the first time you hear the fact that you need to count the cost. You've got to determine whether your budget permits you to attempt to buy something or construct something. If your budget doesn't permit it, you wouldn't go for it. Or at least you try to secure some loan to to accomplish that task. But then when you have a loan, you must have means to pay back the loan. Otherwise, whatever you constructed will be taken away by the bank or the people who lent that money to you. So every borrower of money is a servant to the lender. Which is also a truth taught in the Bible. So, when you count the cost, you find yourself incapable of following Jesus on your own. Now, look at the next example, which is not very different from the first one. You find it from verse uh, 31. Or what king going to make war war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. So if you are a king going for a war against an enemy who is coming with a larger army, double your size, your army size, you want to make some good move if the man with the the king that is coming against you has a very large army, larger than yours, you will see what other option you have to overcome that bigger army that's coming against you. If you have no other viable option to defeat the oncoming army, well, what will you do? As Jesus himself said in verse 32, While the other is yet great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. (coughs) What will he do? If your army is not able to overcome the hostile army, you would send a group of representatives. You will send your ambassadors who will make a deal with the oncoming army or the king of the army, and say, Sir, please don't (coughs) destroy us. We will serve you. We will pay tribute to you. We will send you every month a tax that you would put upon our country, and we will work hard and serve you as our king. Or you make some other deals where (coughs) You will be ready to serve, whatsoever terms given by that king. If you dare to stand against him, you know for sure he is going to trounce you, kill your people, take over your country, and he start to be an absolute king over you. (coughs) I'm sorry, just a second. So, any wise king who has a smaller army will either develop all kinds of techniques and means, military tactics, to overcome bigger enemies. Or, if he's not capable, would take a humble position and admit his inability to fight and win the battle <coughs> and see the best option then available, which is often a peace treaty wherein he will serve the greater king with greater army and will pay his tribute. Now, when you come to Jesus Christ, you love him for his greatness. His power is incomparable. He's the omnipotent, almighty, the Lord of hosts. He's the great king. He's the creator of the whole world. His perfection, his holiness Is infinite. How you as a pathetic sinner. Having no power over your own flesh. Serve him. Who is the righteous king. Do you have anything to serve him? You have nothing. You have nothing that is worthy to be. Offered to that great king. You see him from a distance. You heard his voice. You understood his claims. You know now deep in your heart nothing is more desirable than that Savior whose name is Jesus, the one who is able to save us from our sins. And you know he's gracious. But he will never allow his name to be desecrated by you. He will not want a blasphemer. He will not allow a sinner to take his name in his mouth. How can you and I ever serve him? As sinners, we are unworthy, undeserving. So if you have counted the cost, this is a personal question to each one of us. What shall we do? Jesus says in verse 33, take a look. Likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus says, Give it up. Give all up. Give up all your pride. Give up all that you love till this point of time. Give them up all. And come to me. Surrender. Come. Come to me. don't come with what you want to serve put them beside you put them away from you forsake them don't ever look back come straight to me and know who i am i am the beginning and i am the end i'm the first i'm the last i'm the alpha i'm the omega I am all in all, I am that I am, the self-existing eternal God. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow are all in me, nothing outside me. I transcend all things. Nothing is hidden from me, nothing is impossible with me. I am the great Lord. When you come to me, do not come as though I need to serve you to to give you what you want. No, no, no. You endless into army because I have need of you, but you need me. So come, dropping everything. Your parents, your spouse, your children. And whoever was dear to your heart. Forsake them. Listen to my voice. And do my will. So dear friends. The cost that you need to count. When you come to Jesus Christ. To follow him as his disciple. Is much more than you ever thought. You must deny all things, including your own life. Give no regard for any of these things. It doesn't mean Jesus wouldn't care for you. It doesn't mean Jesus wouldn't care for your family. It doesn't mean Jesus wouldn't uh, love you and take care of you and the things that belong to you. That's not the point. Jesus would do everything necessary for you to be a godly father, godly husband, godly child, and so on. God would do it, but it is not in your condition, in your own terms. It is according to His terms. That's the point. That's the cost. Not on your terms, but on His terms. So forsake all and come to Him. are you willing? You ask yourself. I'm telling you now, brethren, from these things that we learn as an application, it is impossible for any of us to be a disciple on our own. We don't have anything in our possession. In all our years of life and experience on earth, we have nothing to offer to Him That's pleasing. All that Jesus wants is an empty you. Empty person who makes no claim of his greatness or his achievements. Don't come with your resume to be a disciple. There's nothing in your resume that would please Christ. All your righteousness are like filthy rags. Come humbly And say, Savior, there is none like you. There is no one who is so full of love, grace, and salvation as thou art. Thou art the creator. Thou art the possessor of all things. Thou art the sovereign God. Thou art the one who causeth the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the dumb to speak. Thou art the one who has the power to clean the lepers. Thou art the one who causes the dead to rise from the grave. There is none like you. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. And I surrender myself to you. Will you you be willing? It's not enough to sing. All to Jesus I surrender for the tune, for the melody, for the fun of singing, sing it sincerely, then you can be his disciple. If not, you are nothing but a fake disciple whom Jesus do not know. You know him, but he doesn't know you. Jesus knows his shape. And when he calls them, they hear his voice, they follow him. Jesus knows his disciples. When they hear his voice, they forsake all and follow him. May the Lord grant you the grace to follow Jesus as his true disciple. Know the cost of it. The cost is everything, including your very life. Deny them, then you shall gain Christ as your savior and Lord, as your master, who will always instruct you and guide you and gently will tell you, come to me, come after me. Fear not, here I am. I am the Emmanuel. God with us. I am the God who said that I will be with you and I will not forsake you. So come away to me. May God give you a deep conviction of your great Savior, that you will hold nothing dear to your heart more than your Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Reverend Dr. Prabhudas Koshi from our family camp in 2022. Hopefully this episode has given you or helped you regain some insight into how you can follow Christ the way that he calls you to. Feel free to listen to the complete series on YouTube or on our website. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host Joshua Na and we'll be back next Wednesday with another message on discipleship, our calling from Christ.